So, that, so all of that leads me here. Why are we uh-huh. standing on top of a giant landfill? What? Like, why did you take me here? And why do I see so many discarded candles? Well, Dave. Okay. I wanted you to see firsthand the problem facing the candle industry. Mm. L- let me hit you with this stat. This okay. is actually sit down okay. on all those discarded candles. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah, it's going to be sharp. Almost two billion candles are sold globally each year, and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next million years. Okay, I, I wouldn't say this to a lot of people, John. Yeah. You're not lying to me because you don't lie to me, John. I, I would never lie, especially about candles. I, saw, I told you that the first years, day we met. That is Gnarls Barkley crazy. Although I must admit, this landfill does smell pretty great <laughs> compared to what I anticipated. <laughs> the, you know, the candles do kind of pick that part up, but it's disturbing. John. Hey, Dave, yeah. you're funny, but this is no time to I'm joke. So okay, the you. folks at Notes yep. knew that we all want our homes to smell great. I do. But figured... There had to be a more responsible way, and guess what? They found the perfect solution. What did they come Let up with? Let me tell you. If you'll stop interrupting so me, I'll tell you. So Notes created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again. And guess what, Dave? Again. Again. Yes. Please don't interrupt me. So you don't become part of the problem. It's so easy to use. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, and all you do is place the wick in the reusable Notes jar Fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then just do it all over again when you're ready to get a new one. Oh, so that means I can switch out of fragrances all the time. That's right. That sounds great. I'm checking out their website, and I think I already have my eye on the Centol and Atlas, Atlas Cedar. Cedar. Yeah, I knew that would be Plumeria and Pink Current. Yep, mm. yep, yep. The one that you're enjoying right now, uh-huh. smell that? Mm, it's vanilla and pepperwood. Ooh. That's like my two favorite scents. No, And the names of your bunnies, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, just coincidence there. <laughs> okay. Did you know that there are 13 amazing fragrances what? in all? Dave, that's almost 14 oh. fragrances. Handcrafted <laughs> by fragrance experts at their home base in South Carolina. And they are to die for. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up on high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandles.com slash podcast. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code DADVILLE. Just use code DADVILLE when placing your order. That's code DADVILLE at notecandles.com slash podcast. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Craig Melvin. We are thrilled that you're on here. So yeah, this, man. We start. Thank you um, so much for doing this. No, thanks for We start me. every episode for uh, with what we call the brag sheet. And oh. Craig, I'm not going to lie to you. This one is substantial. I had to practice oh. it. I did some push-ups and some wind sprints, so I feel ready for this. Um, but I'm going to start because this is this is amazing. Okay, uh, Craig was elected the first African American president of Key Club International in 1996. One of the youngest to ever receive an Associated Press Award. Received a Bachelor of Arts degree in government from Wofford. Get in, Wofford. Look at you. Started at, I, I, I always forget you're Southern boy. Started at WIS TV in Columbia, South Carolina, where I was born. Is that kismet? I don't know, but we'll get back. While still in high school and worked there from 95 to 97. Returned to WIS after college in July 2001 as a photographer, producer, before moving up <laughs> to anchor in the newscast. Because they saw that face and they said, we are wasting this gift okay wrong side of the camera one, okay. <laughs> one in emmy in 2000 <laughs> yeah that's right uh one in emmy in 2006 named best anchor in 2007 by the south carolina broadcast association 2008 he joined wrc tv in dc to anchor the weekend evening newscasts in 2011 uh he started at msnbc as a daytime anchor while there he has covered this is crazy by the way republican and democratic national conventions sandy hook more tornado, Asia air flight, uh, the airline's 2014 or 214 crash, Greg Zimmerman trial, Freddie Gray, Summer Olympics in Rio. Married former sports anchor Lindsay. Boy, you gotta, I mean, that sounds like speaking in tongues. Last name, Zorniak. Zorniak. Yes. Uh, in 2011, they have two kids, Dell uh, and Sybil. Come on, the kids, man. Girl and a boy. Succeeded. Uh, 
Jose Diaz-Balart, as the host of MSNBC Reports, became the weekday news anchor on Today in September 2018. And this is so cool. We can't wait to talk about this. In 2021, released his book, Pops, Learning to Be a Son and a Father. This is your life. That was a lot. Um, Right? Look at you. So so we'd love to ask this. After you hear that, like, how how do you feel hearing all that about, you know, I mean, maybe you get up every morning to sort of refresh that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm I'm getting old because, you know, you start start hearing some of the years and you're like, oh, wow, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was 13 years ago. Oh, yeah. I guess that. No, I I don't. um, I try not to. To read that too often or, or listen to it too often because you know you want to stay yeah. hungry you want to stay hungry not think yeah right think too much about what you've done think a little bit more about what you what you want to do you know yeah. when i was i was thinking about um questions that i want to ask you and i have a list but oh. the first thing that i wrote down was you know i we we talk about the 24/7 news cycle all the time and like we're walking around with the internet in our pocket all the time and i often especially you know the last couple of years i get overwhelmed with it and i have the luxury of just shutting this thing off right turning yeah. the tv off coming back here to my little studio and i can just i can just hole up you know and i can just say like it's too much it's overwhelming I don't know what to do about X, Y, and Z. I'm just going to shut it down for a few days. And I'm like, Craig, Craig can't do that. You, you are, you're the one, you know, giving us the news every day. How do you deal with that? Um, I'll, to be frank with you, John, um, I was, I was doing reasonably well with it before the pandemic. And I think like a lot of folks, um, that, um, that, that changed me in, in terms of, you know, a lot of folks were were holed up in their houses or or, or wherever they were. I, I was still going into the studio every day, um, yeah. so I got to my my perspective was a bit more unique. And then the pandemic starts, and then the murder of George Floyd happens. So then I mm-hmm. find myself in in Minneapolis and Houston, and in the middle of protests and sometimes riots and. Um, I became a bit anxious. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 for the first time in my career, honestly, yeah. uh, because there was so much. If you think back to where we were more than two years ago, there was so much about the virus we didn't know. I mean, everyone's wiping down their groceries and wearing right. gloves and afraid to leave the house. And um, you know, I remember early on, I was, uh, I would go into the studio and I would come back and I would take all my clothes off. And leave them in the garage before I, this is you know the yeah, first few yeah. weeks of the virus when we didn't, we didn't really know much and, and so people were freaked out I was freaked out um, and so you know as it went on like most things we sort of grew accustomed to it but no the the twenty four hour news cycle I tell people all the time it's like tequila and bourbon you you gotta you gotta take your news in moderation um, yeah. you can you can indulge too much and it it, uh, it rewires you. Yeah. When do you think I'm, I'm watch this to me? I don't want to impress you with our questions here, but you know, there's going to be some guys are pretty good at this. This is good. Thank I mean, you. Listen, listen, this is just the beginning. Okay. Oh, great. No, but I think as you, you talk about these um, places you've been, and obviously so many people that you've interviewed from athletes to politicians, to everyday man, to these crazy uh, scenarios where you're walking into a situation, like you said, with George Floyd, where it's very heated. There's a lot of things that are going on. Do you feel like as you as you think about those interactions with all these different kinds of human, do you find a similarity or what do you feel like you've learned from sitting with so many people talking to them? Is there any theme that you that you go, man, isn't it interesting that this is this or that we we think about this the same or, you know, what are those things you feel like you take away from those times? They're they're common threads. They're definitely common threads. Um, Most people that I talk to and to be clear, you know, when people see me coming they've either had a really good day or really bad. (laughs) That is so true, man. You you guys are bouncing back from extreme to extreme. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. For the in-between days. Yeah. Yeah. I catch a lot of people at their best. And then I catch a lot of people um, who, who wish that I wasn't there for right. Yeah. 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 But one of the things I I continue to find um, is, especially if you have kids, you know, people really, 
always want the best for their children. You know, if, mm-hmm. their, if their kids are happy or healthy, um, then, then they're usually, they're usually okay. Um, that's mm-hmm. always the number one concern for anyone who has children. And the other thing, I, people, again, you know, this doesn't always get the attention that it deserves. People, by and large, by and large, are, are good-hearted people. Like, mm-hmm. people are not, yeah. there is far more good than evil uh, mm-hmm. in the world. The evil gets more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I just, I spent some time yesterday with a 94-year-old. The story hasn't run yet, but uh, he's 94 years old, World War II vet, mm-hmm. uh, was a mailman for 30 or 40 years. And poor guy's house burned down uh, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And he had made friends with this young lady that lives across the street, 22-year-old college student. And they become friends. And the friendship really takes off at the start of the pandemic because she's quarantined. And at his age, he's kind of afraid to go out. And so they go on these walks. And they really become friends. And Mm. so the house burns down. And and this 22-year-old decides, you know what, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page uh, for my my friend across the street. And it raised like 200 grand in two weeks. And, and those those stories are not the kinds of stories that get the clicks on Twitter or, or Facebook, wherever you know. Right. Um, but I I there there's just there's a lot of good. There's a lot mm. of good. Um, the yeah. problem is one of the problems is the good doesn't sell as mm. well as the bad. That continues mm. to be the bane of my existence professionally. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, do, do you feel like you get to speak to that? I mean, um, obviously you do, but how much can you speak to that? Because, I mean, at some point it's just what works is always going to be what you push, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, I had a news director years ago who, who used to say, you know, you got to give them, you can't just give them broccoli. You got to give them some ice cream too. Uh, <laughs> and and the, them being the audience, by the way, the, the news. It's crack. true of kids too, though. Uh, it's, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Um, so I, you got to keep the audience regular, uh, yeah. that's it's, right. That's right. literally and physically, right? No, it, but astronomically, it's, it's, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's a struggle every day for us at the Today show. When I did my cable show, it was a struggle because, mm. you know, I mean, obviously if, 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 if a country has invaded another country and they're slaughtering yeah. people in the streets, then you got to cover that. That's news. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you, but you can't do a full hour on it and expect the audience to, to stick around and, and be yeah. fully engaged. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I've always enjoyed about today's show, especially is you, you get a mix. I mean, you, you get the news that you need, you get some music, you, you get some cooking segments, you get some shopping segments. It's just, it's, it's a hodgepodge. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I tell folks all the time, you know, people frequently complain about the news um, and these are my favorite people. By the way, this this particular group that, that, that I'm about to mention, they're my favorite. People who will complain about a colleague or a competitor, and they'll complain they'll go on and on about how much they hate this person. And then they'll say, well, you know, I was watching him the other night, and, you know, he said, I said why do you hate watch people? If you don't, if you really don't like someone, if you don't like someone, don't watch them. Don't read yeah, them. Yeah, no, don't don't right. watch and read and then then tweet about how much you hate them. Like all, yeah. all you're doing is helping them feed their family. Like we Yeah, that's right. We live, I mean, you know, if someone stops watching me, guess what? Yeah. I'm not doing podcasts. I'm yeah. I, I don't have the electric blinds anymore, you know. <laughs> like we're moving back in with my my parents and my wife's parents. It's yeah. very bizarre. And it's especially true. It's especially true with like political commentators on the mm. right and the left. People will mm. just, it, yeah. it's, it's the strangest thing to me. It yeah. really is. If you, and if you think about it objectively, it's quite the bizarre phenomenon. Like there's certain, there's certain genres of music you probably don't like. Yeah. You don't yeah, listen yeah. to them. Yeah. yeah. That's it's, true. That's true. Like that's a great, that's a great parallel that we don't participate in. It's like no. with the music, we would never. I would never listen to some screamo band. Like no disrespect to the screamo listeners right now, but that's a, that's a huge demo. But I, but it's not my thing. But it's like uh, with like news or something like that. We're almost a, obsessed with being agitated. You know, we we live uh, a lot of folks. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't generalize. A right. lot of folks do live in a constant state of aggravation right. and annoyance. 
Right. And and they and they do it to themselves. It, it, it really mm-hmm. is. You know, I've had to I've had to have conversations with friends and family members, especially over the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, this is my bread and butter. But I've said you you gotta you gotta unplug. Like you can't you can't. Yeah. I my father in law um, and my mother in law in the past have have you know, they'll shoot me a text and they'll say, "Can you believe what?" such and such said on TV tonight or last night. I'm like, it's 830. I'm putting your grandchildren down. <laughs> I, I don't I can't. I, I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be filled with righteous indignation with you tomorrow. I swear. Yes, that's right. That's right. I'll check back in. So I, I have a question that is, is at the bottom of my list. And I, yeah, I even put next to it, if we have time. But yeah. I, just, I, I just don't want to let this slip by because... You know, when Dave and I started this podcast a uh, year, year ago, year and a half ago or whatever, it's comical how we approached. I'll just say me, Dave, you're great. Thank you so much. It's comical how I approached an interview, right? I've never, I had never done an interview before. Yeah. I've never been on this side of an interview. We've done pretty and well, so, I think. Well, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm sweating like crazy, but... Um, <laughs> But, I, you know, we would come in almost scripted. Like we would have like, I'm going to ask this and then they'll give their answer. And then Dave, you ask this. And then and then we would inevitably, we'd get into the conversation. And on question one, they've already answered six, seven, and 15. And then we're like, wait, so where do we go? This messes everything up. It quickly up. devolved into the Chris Farley show. That's, right. That's well, I'm always reminded of that Mike Tyson quote where like everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Oh, yeah. Right. So what is like, what are the things that you have learned from the zillions of interviews that you have done that it's like, it's distilled down to like these kind of tactics. How do you, how do you, you're constantly navigating that. The, the, sh- the shorter the question, the better. Oh, um, I like that you said that after I asked my five-minute question right there. <laughs> it's different for podcasts, I think. I think I think yeah. this the audience teach us, Craig. Teach no, 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 no. I think this audience likes likes the the back and the forth and the long the long questions and the long answers. Right. Uh, short questions. Um, early on in my career, um, and this this wasn't something that I was taught in journalism school or anything, but. I discovered it early on and it, it has served me well. A lot of folks feel compelled to interrupt silence. Hmm. And if you're having a conversation, if you've asked a tough question and the subject answer said question and you're not satisfied with that answer, instead of pressing them, instead of pressing them, sometimes you can just sit there and nod. And you'd be surprised how often the other person feels compelled to further explain what they've just said. It's human nature, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and during the explanation after the initial answer, that's oftentimes when you get your best stuff. Mm. Another interview technique, this was actually, this was taught years ago by a consultant. We watched a series of interviews from over the years um, that he had, he had uh, curated to demonstrate his point. Typically, and there are exceptions, typically, the most important things that people say, whether it's in an interview or a conversation, the most important things are either at the beginning of a thought or the end of a thought. Because wow. the beginning of the thought is, you know, you say, oh, how's your day? Oh, it's been great. You know, or it's been crappy. And then the middle is sort of an explanation of the thesis. And then the end, you're putting a nice little bow on it. Um, and most people at the end of a thought, they, you know, they either want to say something clever or funny or, you know, you, you, you drop the mic typically at the end of a thought. Right. That's true in conversation and, and in interviews. So those three things have helped over the years, but it's also for me, there's a big difference between, I, I, I interview, you know, a lot of politicians or celebrities, real and perceived. Um, (laughs) and and usually when you're interviewing those people, they've heard every question. They did. Mm, every yeah, question you yeah. could come up with, they've gotten it a hundred times, five different ways. They've gotten it, unless they've just done something that, you know, is newsworthy. Right. Yeah. Um, so those, those are the interviews that require the most prep. 
But other, if I'm just talking to somebody who who's not on TV a lot, I just I go as as short and simple as possible, uh, because those folks, you know, they just they they just want to tell their stories. And yeah. now, granted, you know, children of interviewing kids is the absolute worst because you, you, <laughs> you never get anything out of a kid, and if you do right. get something, it's it's sometimes it's either unintelligible or you have to ask them to explain what they're talking about. Or, <laughs> So I try not to do kids. <laughs> John. Yeah, why'd you hesitate? John, no, I'm right here. John. No, I see you. Oh, I'm sorry. Just uh, because I'm not looking at you doesn't mean I don't see you. Oh, <laughs> that's true. And that means emotionally, too. Let right. me ask you something. Do you have any okay. questionable eating habits? Or questionable. Either one of those. You can Questionable answer. or questionable? Questionable or questionable. Okay. Yeah. I have a few. Okay. I would say. How about you? Well, after the kids go to bed, I get the late night munchies, right? Sure. And I always want to go for a bowl of that chocolate flavored cereal that turns the milk into, into chocolate, chocolate milk. milk. Yep. And it's like the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. But man, are those things loaded with sugar and carbs. Yeah. I need yeah. to be smarter, John. Maybe yeah. you find a cereal with high quality ingredients is more balanced. Let me cut you off right there. One, because okay. you're done with your sentence. And two, because I need to tell you about Thrive Market. I just downed a bowl of cereal of Catalina Crunch dark chocolate oh, cereal. Goodness. Let me say it again. Okay. You know what? No, I won't. I'm no. going to keep going. Okay. It's the perfect swap for your Dracula or like bird-themed sugary chocolate yeah, yeah. cereal we that you eat. We all know those. We know those. Yeah. Thrive Market is full of great products like that. And it's also, it lets you filter results based no, on your no. lifestyle what? needs, Dave. What? Yeah. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, you know, low sugar foods or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market makes it happen. Okay, John, look, that sounds awesome. Yep. It sounds a little expensive. Dave, it sounds expensive. Okay. But as a Thrive Market member, what? I save money no. on every single grocery order. An average of 30% Jeez, each time, Dave. I'll say that again. Okay. You know what? No, I'm going to keep going. Okay, They gosh. also have a deals page that changes daily. In oh. fact, today... I saved over 40%. Don't say save That's almost catch 45%. Wild pink Don't on say save catch wild save pink, catch wild you pink salmon. That. You know what? I'll say it again. No, I'm not going to say it again. And Sprague, am I pronouncing that correctly? I don't even know. I'm just so excited, John. Organic lentils and vegetable soup. Oh. I saved 40%, Dave. It could be Sprague or Spragua. And that's for the people who know, okay? <laughs> it says here that when I joined Thrive Market, yep. I'm also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. That's I right. join, they give, John. You join, they give. You know what? Join in on the savings at Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free, you're not going to believe this, no. but I'm going to say it, what? free $60 gift. No, that's Go to thrivemarket.com slash dadville for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. I'm going to tell them again, John. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dadville. Thrive market.com slash dadville john dave john dave yeah okay my family is always looking always looking to make better choices with our food selection and finding high quality meat can be hard it's so hard yeah did you know this butcher box is a customizable subscription service that makes finding the exact meat you want so easy for you and your family i did know that but did you know this finding the time to meal prep can be so difficult with Mm -hmm. busy schedules on top Mm -hmm. of having to cook the meal itself well did you know this our family loves the convenience of butcher box without having to sacrifice the quality of great tasting meat yeah well okay one more did you know this every month butcher box ships a curated selection of high quality meat right to your home with free shipping right here in the u.s of course i knew that but did you know this no this is your chance and i'm not talking to you dave i'm talking to our listeners this is your chance to never have to shop for ground beef again Mm. that's right ButcherBox is giving new members free ground beef Jeez, for life, Dave. Well, John, I have to ask one more time. Did you know this? If you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Dadville, you get two pounds of ground beef free in every order for the life of your member. Yep. You know what? I did know it, but I like hearing it. Okay. So I'm going to say it one more time. Oh, thank you. Log on to ButcherBox.com slash Dadville to claim this deal. Yes, I did. I, and I did know I that. knew that, too. Well, I knew you I knew it. I just said it. Well, I so. knew that you knew it. I love, I love, that's just, I feel like that's how my wife feels about me when she asks questions, by the way, but that, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I have to ask this, do you, like, who are the people that you have interviewed that you kind of had those pinch me moments? Like you're sitting there across the table from somebody or, you know, next to somebody in chairs, whatever they're on the stage show that you're kind of like, 
wow, that's like, do you ever have those moments where like in the middle, you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I still get them. Uh, although the longer you do it, the, the, the less you get them. Um, yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan was a pinch me moment. Good uh, gracious. Yeah. MJ was definitely a pinch me moment. Um, they're, 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 Bill Clinton was a pinch me moment for a different, oh, wow. different reason. Mm-hmm. The interview sort of went off the rails. Um, I, you know, I interviewed Doug Williams, the, 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 the Redskins quarterback, excuse yep. me, the commander's quarterback. Hey, um, a, a, a few weeks ago and he was a childhood idol i was yeah. kind of pinch me um but early on in my career you know, i interviewed james brown once oh know, my gosh that was a that was a pinch me how, how was that oh that was a that was a complete train wreck um <laughs> that's a great one though because you're like this could this could be a yeah. train wreck or it could be you know oh, no. no no it was it a train matter it, and here's what it, no one this, this is early in my career I'll never forget it. I was working in Columbia, South Carolina, and, and they were honoring James Brown for Beach Music Week. And they were they, the, the State House, the General Assembly in South Carolina, they were giving him this big plaque. And they had arranged for me to do this interview with, with James, Brown, James Brown, who I had, had never met, but had always admired, loved his music. Yeah. And um, I get over to the State House, and he's running a little bit late. And he, he finally shows up just maybe with, with 60 seconds to spare. And he's got this electric blue suit on with like highlights in his hair to match. And, and what no one had bothered telling me is that he was running late because he had had to have some emergency dental work done. And if, wow. if you'd ever heard James Brown talk with all of his teeth working, like it was barely, <laughs> you could barely understand what he was saying then. So now he's had like, you know, a great work and I turned to him and I, you know, again, we hadn't even gotten this chance to speak before the live interview. It's live, not tape. I turned to him and I said, well, you know, Mr. Brown, what's it like being back in South Carolina uh, for this prestigious honor? How does it feel? And not an exaggeration, Dave, not an exaggeration, John. His response was something along the lines of, (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, is 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 the Godfather having a stroke? Or... And but what was even more bizarre is he didn't realize that no one could understand what he was saying. Like yeah. He was looking at me like he, made, he was making complete sense, and the producers in my ear, crap, what's wrong? Crap, what's going on? Yeah, we got, you got. And I, you know, and he's and he's going on and on, <laughs> and so you know, after like ninety seconds of that, I'm like, oh, Mr. Brown, we'll let you get inside. Thank you so much. <laughs> it sounds like that sounds like the combination of James Brown, the Tasmanian Devil. It was bad. It was bad. But that's it, again, I'll never forget the interview. I'll oh my god, that's so great. I loved too that he was looking at you like there's an obvious follow up question to what I just said. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't you find that fascinating? <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm giving you a softball here. <laughs> now you say, tell us more. I have often wondered, like, if if someone could go back and look at it and translate, but like, here's actually what he said because it may yeah, have been, yeah. it may have been he has a, like his intro. You know, the guy that ta- that introduces him st- on stage. He's like, no, I can. I- I'll get you the transcript later. <laughs> We have people for that. One of the things that's so fascinating about your life is that you and, you know, Lindsay are both uh, anchors. Like this is, I mean, maybe that's common in your world. I obviously, I don't know. I can't think of people I know that do that or even like, you know, people at your, and and sort of your celestial place of doing it. I I can't imagine what that's like as a married couple. Like, do you, do you, (laughs) I was thinking as you were saying, like the things you've learned, do you, do you find yourself employing some of those tactics (laughs) with her? Every question is really short. It's like, it's like two counselors or therapists (laughs) being married. It's like, don't, no, 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 don't do the thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Also your poor kids. You just double down on them. Oh, they have no chance. But here's something else that, that I, I do at home um, that she doesn't always catch on to. Um, sometimes, and especially, we've been married for a decade. She's heard all of my stories. I've heard all yeah, of her yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. At some point, you just kind of tune each other out. You know, you're on, <laughs> you're on autopilot. 
And years ago, um, I won't tell you who taught me this technique because they still use it on television. But sometimes if you're in a live interview and you've asked everything, like, and the, it's just not going well, you've got to fill time. Sometimes if you just repeat precisely what they just said, again, you can get them to like explain it more or they feel compelled to try to get you to understand it. So, you know, sometimes Lindsay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get home from work and we're, we're, we're doing something with the kids and she's telling me about her day and she's like, oh, you know, you won't believe what Jennifer said, blah, blah, blah. And, and then she'll get to the end of the thought and she'll stop. And I haven't heard a thing she said, but I'll say, Jennifer said what? <laughs> what did Jennifer say? And then, she'll, she reads out and, she, and then she'll go on for another two or three minutes about and Jennifer. She's like, I know. Yeah, right. Uh, right? So, oh, I mean, that's you, genius. That's oh, genius. Gosh. I'm writing that down. You can't use it too often, though. You can't use that, it. That, right. I don't know that there are more humbling moments in my life. And I mean this generally, like over my whole life, than when Annie, my wife, is saying something to me. And I know that I've tuned out. And she is catching that I've tuned out. And then she stops and looks at me. And there's that. Uh, and she's like, and then she just says, did, did you, did you listen to what I said? I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah. what, what did I say? And I'm like, God, you're you so said it pretty. all. Babe. It's when you look at me like that, the beauty, you're just so, so I was distracted. My thoughts go dark. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I'm just going to remember like the first three things she it's, says. It's true. It's, it's it's right. I want to talk about your book a little bit. So this, I was, uh, you know, researching and, and, and doing my due diligence as I do. And I was thinking, and I have, I've had this thought before, um, that I feel like everyone, it should be required, right. That we all write an autobiography, you know, should be like, like the draft or something like every, when you turn, you know, you can't do it too early. It's like when you turn 40, everyone needs to to write an autobiography. And, uh, you know, one thing that you said that was a part of the process of this book was these interviews that you were doing with family members. And, and yeah. you said favorite interview you've ever done is this interview that you did with your dad. Oh, yeah. And I have, I mean, I have a, a zillion questions about this. First being, did you feel like you knew what this book was going to be going in? And then, how close is the finished product to kind of the preconceived notions that you had? I, I did not um, have um, an, a full idea of what the book was going to be because, uh, you know, a lot happened while I was writing the book that, that we had to, you know, my older brother, you know, he, he was diagnosed with colon cancer during the course of the book. Um, it became um, apparent that he wasn't going to make it. And, and then he ends up dying before the book's finished. Um, that's not something that, that we considered before I started the process. The only thing I had in my head that was written was the first line in the book, which is, you know, my, my father was born in a, a prison in West Virginia and, and we never talked about it un, until I sat down to write this book. Mm-hmm. That was, it, it, that was it for me. And it was, a, a publisher had sort of been after me to write a book about fatherhood and uh, just sort of a collection of, of thoughts from other dads on fatherhood. And I didn't, I mean, I, I, that's not a book I would want to read. Um, and I think it's kind of even been done before. It's, it sounded boring to me. Mm-hmm. And, and when the pandemic hit, they called back and they were like, well, are you interested in writing a book at all? I was like, well, yeah, like everyone, I've got a little bit more free time these days, um, but I don't, I don't really know what to write about. And me and the, the book agent started talking and they said, well, tell me about your dad. And I, I told him about how complicated our relationship had been for most of my life and how we got him into rehab and how he was born in this prison. And, and, and after, you know, me going on and on for about five or 10 minutes, he interrupts. He's like, well, Craig, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I, I think you got a book in there. I was like, no, that's not a book. And I sat down and I, I put pen to paper for a week or so. And, and then it became somewhat obvious after, a few days that there might be something in there, not, not for me, uh, but for my dad and for other families out there who have uh, people in their lives that they care about who have struggled or, or are struggling uh, mightily 
with addiction. And what I didn't fully appreciate, John and Dave, I, I wrote this book. I started hearing from out of people came out of the woodworks, mm-hmm. people who were either addicts themselves or lost someone to addiction or had someone in their in their in their their circle that they that they loved that they wanted to figure out how to reach and talk to. Um, a buddy of mine here in town where I live, he had gone off the rails. Uh, he lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his job. He ended up in jail. Mm. Um, and we finally, you know, we get together for for coffee after all that's gone down. He's like, I, I read your book and I said, man, I wish you'd written it sooner. You know, maybe I could, it, it could have helped save me. And this was a guy that I'd known for years, and I didn't know what he was what he was struggling with. So, I, I. I not to sound whatever, but a lot of folks write write books as vanity projects or make a few bucks or to to to, to raise their profile. I wrote the book to help people, and I also wrote the mm-hmm. book. My dad's in his seventies, and I wanted I wanted him to know that not only was all forgiven, um, but but I I loved him deeply, and I cared about him deeply, and I I thought that his story could help others. And, and what a tribute it would be for a guy who spent the better part of his life not thinking he was worthy enough mm. to have part of his legacy be what it has become. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's of, the, of the things I've done in my life. It is one of the things I've, I've been uh, proudest of. Hey, Dan. Hey. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I was ready. Listen. Can I say something? Um, it's on my mind. I would hope we're recording, so I'd hope you would. Yeah. yeah. Look, waiting for paychecks Ooh. can be stressful, especially when life can be so expensive. Listen, Chime gives you the option to receive your paycheck up to two days earlier with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to yep. save, pay bills, mm-hmm. and generally feel good about your money situation. Listen, you've been scoping that pack of gum for two days. Mm-hmm. Guess what you can get now? What? A lots of packs of gum. Okay, oh, I love a lots but, of. Packs but let's of gum. don't get lost there. Okay. Chime is more than just getting paid early. Okay, it's also an award-winning mobile app, checking uh-huh. account, debit card, and optional savings account. So what are you waiting for, people? Hopefully not your paycheck. Nope. Get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. Get started at chime.com slash dadville. That's chime.com slash dadville. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Did you? Like, I can't imagine how sensitive that is, though. You know, is that something as you're sitting down and your agent? I mean, I, I'm laughing because, you know, you're like, oh, I'm telling him how my dad was born in a prison. And now he did. I'm like, yeah, just that sentence. That guy's like, surely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, maybe, maybe you got to book in. Like, just that sentence is yeah. like, I'm already, like, if that's the first shot of the trailer, like, I'm already leaning. Um, but is that something that did you go? Did you kind of sit with your dad and go, "Hey, like, you know, these people are saying this could be really great. Obviously, it's going to be about you." And I, I mean, how do you deal with something that would feel that sensitive? You know. Well, I I, I called him up, um, you know, after I talked to this guy, and um, I said, I said, pops, um, you know, there's some folks that think that uh, your story might do some good. Uh, would you be interested in being a subject for a book? And uh, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to write a book, sure, I'll, 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 I'll help you with your book. It's like, no, 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 Pops, the book would, would essentially be about you. It's like, about me? He's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure anybody's going to read that book. Um, I said, no, I think, you know, if we tell the whole story, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. I, said, I said, the only catch is I'm, I'm going to have to a- ask a bunch, of, a bunch of questions. Some of them will be uncomfortable, and you'll have to, you'll have to answer them honestly. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And he, I mean, the, the conversation may have lasted five, five, maybe 10 minutes. And he was like, yeah, sure, sure. And because wow. we were in the thick of, of, of the pandemic, I couldn't, he couldn't come up. I, I couldn't go down and do it in person. So I would go down to my basement and turn the recorder on. And oh, we would wow. just, just like this, actually. And we would just have these conversations. And I had questions that I'd written down. Um, but most of the conversation was, was he, I mean, he'd say something and I said, and I would say, well, well that, that's actually not how I remember it. And, uh, right. And there, right. And then there would be some clarification or, I mean, a lot of it was just, 
him telling stories that I hadn't heard. Part of it, mm. I think, was because I wasn't old enough at the time to hear some of these stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was also, and I, it took me, it took me probably about, uh, let me put my window down here. I like to let fresh air come into the office. Um, it, it took me about two hours to realize that this was just as cathartic for him as it was for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he wanted, he wanted to, to explain his life. And mm-hmm. yeah. it was just interesting how it was always interesting how, how two people or three people or four people, how, how the same thing can happen and everyone views it differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the older you get, mm. I think oftentimes the the more hardened your viewpoint becomes. So, so mm. when I saw some things in my childhood, when I asked my dad about him, mm. he's like, "No, nah, it's actually not how I saw it at all. That's that's not how, or that's mm. that's not what I was thinking at the time. Here's what I was thinking. Mm. Um, like there's a, a part in the book where we talk about um, faith, and mm. I, I grew up. Um, so I went to church a great deal and, and, and I think consequently now, I'm, I'm, you know, a, I consider myself a, a man of faith mm. and my father never went to church with us. And I always thought that was just because he didn't believe in God or he was atheist mm. or agnostic or no, that, that wasn't it at all. He had, a, he had an uncomfortable a situation in, in church once um, when, when we were young and the pastor sort of called him out in front of the congregation for not being on wow. a basis. The pastor embarrassed him and consequently he didn't, he didn't go back. Um, wow. And a lot of the guys that he used to drink and gamble with were the same guys that would be in church on Sunday morning. And he, he, he did not um, like the hypocrisy. And as he's grown older, uh, he likes it even less. He's got no patience. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 whole process to me feels like if if that was me, you had a couple of thoughts for you, Charkin. One, it would be sort of this wonderful Trojan horse to find some things out for myself too. You know, kind of like we're gonna do this book, but also just quick question aside. Remember when we were playing baseball? You know, like just to sort of sneak those couple things that you need sort of figured out. But I think too, I feel like one of the things that I've noticed as I've gotten older with my parents and man with so many of my friends' parents is it feels like. And this may be all of us someday with our kids, but there's almost like two halves to a parenting life. There's the parenting, your disciplinarian, your guide, your leader, your mentor. And then the back half, it almost feels like so many of my, I know my parents have been this way in such a beautiful way. They really want to be known. There's a really interesting thing, I think, for... Because to your point, even earlier, like we're we're all the same. Like there's, we all have the same wants, same needs, and there are iterations of those things. Obviously, with each of us, but it's so like I see it in my parents so much. We'll sit and get dinner, and I'll ask, a, and you can just feel them going like, "I want to tell you this now because you can hear it," or like, "Here's something you didn't know about our like me that yep. I can tell you now that I couldn't tell you then." Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I can't imagine, as you said, for him how cathartic that would be. But also, like you said, for you to go, wow, that's how you thought about that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's th- what a beautiful thing to sit with your parent, especially one that you've had kind of a tricky relationship with. Yeah. And did you, at the end of that, did you feel, did you, did you feel, did you feel like y'all's relationship changed by working on that book? No question. No question. Really? No question. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because there've been a couple of inflection points in, in, in our relationship. Uh, before the book, it was, uh, getting him out of rehab, getting him into rehab, then getting him out of rehab, hmm. and then um, and then the book. It changed our, hmm. our relationship in a pretty dramatic way. Um, my brother's death changed changed our relationship yeah. again. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I, you know, I was talking to him two days ago um, because you know, he, like a lot of folks, he's he's been a little reluctant to travel because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. And I finally said to him, I was like, "Pops, you know, things are things are okay now. Like you can." You guys can come back up here and, well, you know, it's not on, well, we'll you know, we're going to come down there, but you need to get back out there and, and not be such a, such a hermit. And, 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 um, and he came around toward the end of the conversation, but now it's, we, yeah, we have conversations that we could have never had 10 years ago. I mean, you know, it's it, one, one thing that has become quite comical to me is I, he'll occasionally have the audacity to um, either question or ridicule a parenting, a parenting technique that I've employed. 
Well, you know, you, I feel, I mean, you guys are really kind of hard on him, like myself. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, it sounds like you just raised your voice. I don't know, why, why are you raising your voice? <laughs> I've said to him a couple of times, it's like, you know, I gotta be honest with you, Pops, maybe you've got early onset. Right. <laughs> you forgot. If, if child protective services had been around, like when I was a kid, <laughs> you you would have been in prison. Okay, like there's no. But it's but like as as he gets older, it's just yeah. it really is. It's weird, and he acts. Mm, he yeah. asks. He asks questions mm, of, of my mm-hmm. children. Like he asks their opinions or like how mm. they feel about certain things. We went like 16 years without him. He could he could have cared less about mm, any right. of our thoughts. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, his thoughts were our thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's I, it's interesting because it's it's you know you your your father worked for the postal service, right? Mm-hmm. The, like the night shift, right? So he's Third working John, forty yeah. years. Yeah, he's working all night and then sleeping all day. And he's, you know, he's battling with with uh, alcohol the, yeah. all the while, and so I would imagine like you grow up with this as your day to day, and then, you know, you you didn't write this book when you were eighteen when you got out of the house. Like you've lived life as an adult, as a husband, and as a father for a while with this kind of like you know, this view of like, this was my dad, this is my dad. And then you do this book. And like you're saying, you you have to break that whole mold. And then let there be a new guy in, in that place, which if there's anything that I've learned from being my wife and I've been married for it'll be 16 years tomorrow. Wow. If there's anything that I've learned from a long relationship with one person, it is that it is tough to break those things that we have, you know, because it's almost like our survival. It's like we got to make sense of the world that we're in. And so you've you have 40, 30 plus years of of making this mold of of your dad. Was it hard to break that and give him kind of the grace to Hmm. actually be the person that he really is? without, you know, hopefully with the addiction behind him and sort of just let him be who he is now. It, it was hard. It, it was hard. It, but, you know, it's, 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 it's weird because when you're younger, as you know, you know, you, you, you view the world, you, you view the world one way. And then as you get older and you, you get married and you get a job and you have children, it changes how you view the world. And when I was when I was younger, you know, to your point, my dad worked third shift, so he had to sleep during the day. And if yeah. he wasn't sleeping, he was drinking or he was sleeping one off. And and I so I was resentful. I was resentful mm-hmm. and angry for a long time. I thought my dad was lazy. I thought he was a drunk. I, it was just it would eat away at me. And then as I started to achieve, you know, I guess a, a reasonable modicum of professional success, you know, I I, I would do stories from time to time with experts. Um, and I, I started to learn a little bit more about addiction. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and so as I got older, I, I came to understand that my dad was sick. And mm-hmm. he, was, he was sick in the same sort of way that a diabetic is sick or, right. um, yeah. or somebody afflicted with cancer. Like, like addiction is an illness. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think as a society, we have come to view it more as a disease and a sickness uh, than, than just 15 years ago when we primarily viewed it as, as weakness. Right. Um, so so my, my view on addiction changed, which, yeah. which then helped inform sort of a, a, a different view um, of my father. And then when I had kids, you know, when I was, when you're younger, you know, not to whatever, you 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 work because you know you find something you love and you can pursue your passion blah 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 which is all great and everyone should be happy at work rah 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 and and you you get to a point when you when you when you got people dependent on you and you got to provide you you start to look you look through a, a different lens the aperture changes yeah. if yeah. you will so then all of a sudden I start thinking well, God you know what yeah. That yeah, you work third shift because you make a few more bucks working third shift, mm-hmm. and you work holidays because you got time and a half for holidays. 
And, 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 and that's what, in the book, he talks about that. He talked mm, about, because yeah. I, you know, for a long time, I was like, oh, dad didn't want to be around us. No, that mm. wasn't it. You know, right. dad needed to work. He didn't have a mm. college degree. Uh, when, he, when he wasn't working, he wasn't making money. And, and mm. so when you, when you know that, um, it, it changes, not just how I view my father, mm. uh, it, it changed how I view lots of other situations. You know, we have yeah. become, I think, uh, we, we are a nation of adjudicators. Like yeah. everyone's yeah. got an opinion. Everyone's, you know, this person's right, this person's wrong. This is how it should be done. Your team will, your team Chris. Like it's, like there's no, it's, it's all black, it's all white. And mm. the longer I do it, whether it's professionally or just living life, it ain't all black and white. In fact, ninety percent of it's gray. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's it's just it's comical to me to a certain extent that for whatever. And I know why. I know why we've become this way. I think, but everyone now, it's just you know everyone's got the right answer, mm. and no one's got the right answer because there aren't always right answers. John, Dave. Yeah. But yes. Sorry. I got okay. so confused. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right. Okay. I'm Listen, I, 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 I've just felt so compelled to tell you this lately. Tell me. Finally, we have a minute. Glasses can be a great way to express yourself in an accessory form. Do you oh. feel that way? Oh, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand yes. times. Yes. Okay. And it's okay. easy to change things up, you know, with new styles. That That's was actually like my senior quote. And it's they, Dave Barnes. It's so easy to change yeah. up new style. I've heard that a million times. I've thought it a hundred million times. But here's the thing. With pair yeah. eyewear, mm-hmm. base frames start at just 60 bucks, no. including prescription Including lenses. prescription? Yep. That's insane. They're in there. They're in there. On top of the great prices, there are hundreds of of yep. top frame designs to match whichever base frame you choose. You can just swap them out. And John, for every pair purchased, Pair provides glasses and vision care for children around the world so you can feel even better about your purchase. That's amazing. Yeah. Get glasses as unique as you are, people. One pair, infinite styles, starting yep. at just $60. Go to PearEyewear.com slash Dadville for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at P-A-I-R-Eyewear.com slash dadville that do you do you feel like there one of the things that i think is so beautiful about that story is that you know as i get older one of the things that i think all of us share that is the same is we really want to know our parents like we we um the people who have been really hurt by them, they, you know, you, you draw lines and you, you need separation. Sometimes people just have really terrible parents, but I think our true North is always a relationship. Like we just want that. It's like, you can be 150 and you're still going to be like, gosh, I wish I had no, you know, my dad had been better. We could have been friends. What's so cool about your story. And it's so salvific. <laughs> sure. It's a public uh, school sure. education. Y'all wow. is that, even after the the rocky road of that relationship, you still want to be close to him. You want to write a book of, with him. That's such a beautiful thing. It's not though the deuce and I'm out mm-hmm. and you hurt me and like now nah, we're done. Right. That, that this is still something you want. It's so beautiful. It's such a great thing. Well, Dave, I, I in addition to thank you by the way, that's very kind. I I would I would maintain in addition to wanting to know our parents. Um, there's a, there's something else that's innate for all of us. Uh, we want our parents uh, to be proud of us, mm. and yeah. we want our yeah. we want our parents to approve of our decisions, mm. uh, micro and macro. Yeah, and I don't I I think I don't think that stops un, until our parents yes. are, are six feet under. Amen. And yeah. it's funny because not to sound whatever, um, but you know like. I'd like to think professionally I've done okay. And, but every now and then I'll have a conversation with my mom or my dad and and they'll say something. And it could, I mean, it could be something innocuous. They mean nothing by it. And, and I'll catch myself saying, Hey, you know, mom, I don't know if you watched this morning on the today show, but you know, I, I, I mean, there, there are people who appreciate my work and <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe I haven't seen you in two months or three months, but guess what? I'm not in prison. 
You know, I'm not on the run from the law. Like, you know, where I'm like, you know, I'm not being like some, yeah. You know, or, or my favorite is I'll get, you know, again, granted my, my mother and father have been watching me for years. Uh, and so they're not, they're not impressed by anything anymore. Like there's no, there's no impressing my parents. So the text mm-hmm. messages that I'll get are not an exaggeration. Hey, um, you know, you've worn a blue tie three days in a row. Oh my gosh. Or, or, or my all time favorite. And I've asked her, I've actually asked her to stop doing this one. Hey, are you, are you getting enough sleep? I mean, you oh, know, that's the, oh, no, come on. I'm out. That's a hard, yeah. No, you look tired. No, like, you no, know no, no. I got two small kids. Yeah, I was going to say, remember those grandchildren that you coddle and you give too many Christmas gifts to? Yeah. They sleep at my house. Yeah. yeah, Anyone who's over 30, you should never say, like, are you getting enough sleep? No, I'm not getting enough sleep. Shut up. Well, you know, uh, (laughs) so we know you got to roll. We got two more questions. I want to say this quickly. Something that I do love about your book and something that I have learned as I've gotten older and you, you say this too, and it's just the truth. That's why I want to say it again. I think one of the greatest freedoms that any of us have, and I pray that our kids hold this graciously with us, is that we're all doing the best we can, like genuinely. And and, and yes. we're doing the best that we know how to do. That that was one of the most um, eye-opening conversations I had in my early 20s with my very best friend. We were talking about parenting and the struggle he had kind of had with his dad growing up. And we said this out loud sitting there. I'll, I'll never forget this moment. And and we both said, you know, but I think he's doing the best he can. Yes. And it was like, there was such a seismic shift in understanding like, and I mean, you think about your dad, he was, he was born in a prison. Like yeah. that's enough to just like, you, you, you don't need to know the trajectory almost. You just know that's hard enough. Right. Like just that, you know, and I think it's kind of you that, that, and it's a kindness that we should extend to, to everyone, especially our parents, but for you to take a look at, his life how you do in the book and and how what his relationship was like with his father Hmm. or lack thereof for many years you know and then start from there you know it's that was one of the most eye-opening parts of the book for me is when my dad talked about his dad and finding Mm -hmm. out who his father was um and he did not not to reveal too much about the book but he didn't he he did not find out who his father was the way that anyone should find out who their father is. And mm-hmm. it, he was older. Um, and you know, his dad mm-hmm. died in squalor and didn't have much relation, didn't have any relationship with him. And, and, and uh, until he needed a, a dollar or two. And, and I, and another great question, by the way, you could always ask someone. Um, and I use this on my father and, and, and he didn't disappoint with his answer. You could always ask someone, what's the, What's the most money you've wasted? What's what's your biggest waste of money? I asked my, I asked my dad that question, and I said, "Pops, what's the most money you wasted?" Without missing a beat, he's like, twelve hundred dollars. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a, I thought it was a gambling debt, and um, right. he's like, "No, no, what was it on?" He's like, "That's what it cost to put my father in the ground." Uh, Jeez, I had to, man. I had to pay for the funeral. I never even knew the guy. Oh, um, and, and, and so when you, when you under, for me, when I understood that, I was like, oh, my, my dad's actually oh. better. And, totally. Yeah. And so, and I'll, I'm going to be a little bit better with my kids. Yeah. My son yeah. will be a little bit better with his yeah. kids. So I, yeah. you know, I figured by three or four generations from now, <laughs> this <will>, utopia. Utopia. <laughs> We're just about to Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, dude, thank you so much for your time. So we always end with a couple of questions. I'll ask the first one. What is the one thing you want your kids to know? Mm, gosh, I, I, I want them. I think most children know that their parents love them. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to, to really understand that the love is unconditional. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not tied to professional success, producing grandchildren or going to a good college or like it is, it's truly an unconditional love. And what matters most to, to not just me, but my wife as well, we've had this conversation. I want them to be happy because a, a lot of, um, a lot of what ails, I think our society right now, it's, it's a direct result of, of people not being happy with who they are. And yeah. if people yeah. are, are, are happy, mm-hmm. if they're comfortable in their own skin, 
I, I don't think you see a lot of what, what, what we've seen, if that makes sense. Man, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That is really good. Mm. All right, last question. Um, sure. Many, 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 many years from now, you have died, right? Dell has forked up to 1200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hope your kids say at your funeral? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I hope... By the way, that's all I'm going to remember that you said this whole time, just yeah, FYI. That's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I hope that they are so torn up by my death that they can't speak at the funeral. Yeah, that's good. That's really <laughs> good. Go. That's really good. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't... Listen, I mean, that's a... I've never thought about that. Um, I don't know. It makes me terribly sad thinking about it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm good. Now that you've now that you've asked that question, John, I am going to insert that in the will. Um, <laughs> that yeah. Neither are permitted to speak at the funeral. If they do, they, they get nothing. Nothing. Yeah, they get yeah that's nothing. right. That's right. Great question. Well, Can't answer it. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, great. thank you so much for your time. Yes. It has been such a joy to hang. We Honored really to talk to you, it. man. I, it was my honor. I got to be honest with you, Dave. I, 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 this went a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> hey, that's good. We want all our guests to come in with low expectations. I, mean, I, was, I, I was, they were like, oh, I listened to a couple clips. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. But this, this, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's the best thing I think anybody's ever said on this show. Thank you, guys. I really yeah, appreciate it. So Thank you. Thank you.